Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Before a new idea can become a way of thinking, before one detail can flip the narrative, before anything that matters can change the world, it must, above all, be known. The duty of the Scripps College of Communication is to bring forth the people who bring forth the knowledge, by word or image or data stream and in every medium and by all means, they succeed. They say, make it loud, make it clear, make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. On Spectrum, we cover a wide range of topics that are important to our lives. We feature journalists, authors, scholars, policymakers, activists, scientists, innovators, and some people who just have fascinating stories. Today, we start a new series focusing on the importance of local television news to our overall news consumption. According to a recent survey by Gallup and the Knight Foundation, local TV news is trusted more than national news. Our first guests to discuss this are Joe Donatelli and Mark Ackerman from WEWS-TV in Cleveland. Joe is digital director and Mark is investigative executive producer. Let me start with you, Mark. Um, your title's investigative executive producer. Uh, I, I really like to hear your perspective of the role of investigative reporting in local TV news. How important is it? Sure. Um, well, I mean, it's important on on many different for, for many different reasons. Uh, you know, the in Cleveland. Um, you know, we used to have a real proud newspaper, the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Um, and used to be two, Cleveland Press and the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Going back a few Dealer. years, yeah. we had the Cleveland Press, we <laughs> yeah. had the Sun Press, we had, we had sure. a lot of different voices. Um, as those voices have shrunk and the investigative reporters have been pulled out of the, the Cleveland Plain Dealer and they've, they've gone to different places, there aren't any left. So, you know, sometimes television news is the grown-up in the room to be able to ask the mayor a big question. You know, that's um, that's just as an industry. But as far as going deeper and saying, hey, mayor, why have you gone, you know, why have you taken 17 trips in 2022? And how much did they cost? And who did you take with you? And is this a, are you being a good steward over taxpayer dollars? If we don't ask it, who is going to? And, and so I think that that's our role is to be that watchdog. And sometimes, you know, you don't think of television as, as that, you know, the, the, the people to be asking those questions. But, you know, we're the last man standing right now in a lot of these cases. A lot of people, I, I think, uh, sort of identify wrongly, in my impression, uh, investigative reporting with local television to local sweeps. That that's the only time they see investigative reportings when the the station wants to up its ratings. Is that a fair criticism? So I think uh, you know I've been in the industry for almost twenty five years, and I would say you know for 
you know, 15 of those 25 years, that was probably accurate. You know, you would work on your, your big stories for those sweeps uh, ratings periods, November, February, and May. Um, you know, in the past 10 years, I think there's been a real shift um, to, we have better metrics measuring the other months of the year. So, and there's, there's this need to have that investigative reporting done throughout the year. So, um, you know, we're fortunate at WEWS to have a, a, a really large, strong investigative team. And the, you know, we need to turn stories. And we have metrics for how many stories we need to turn um, throughout the year. It's not just for specific times. Because, you know, if something happens, when a story is ready, a story is ready. And it doesn't have to wait for one it, of those periods. It seems like, and this could be just my misconception, that viewers and audience uh, with local TV news have a close connection with the reporters, uh, the talent that, that, that are on TV each and every night. It seems like people are more open to probably give you tips or, or things that they're concerned about. Talk about audience feedback a little bit. Um, we have we have a lot of seasoned reporters who get lots and lots of tip. We have we have a we have a tip line um, that we answer every day, and we get at least fifteen calls. It's everything from I can't pay my rent to I have a, a horrible landlord to uh, I have an issue with the car dealership who um, you know hasn't repaired my car correctly to uh, to something really serious like. Um, you know, I was the victim of this. I mean, we got a, a tip not too long ago about um, I was the victim of a sexual assault by a city worker, and uh, that person is still on the job, and nobody's doing anything about it. And so we took that tip and we investigated. That person is no longer on the job. So it, what we do, I, I hope to feel like matters. People see results. People see results. So, Joe, first of all, welcome back to Ohio University. Uh, you're always welcome back. Thank but, you. Uh, uh, talk about what you do as digital director and how it may merge with what Mark does in other departments as well. Yeah, so as digital director at News 5 uh, Cleveland, my team uh, publishes all of the content that appears, I shouldn't say content, news that appears on the website, the app, social media, streaming. So when uh, all everything that's not on TV is the, is the digital product, which uh, you know throughout the course of a day, where I think we're on TV uh, at News Five for six and a half hours a day. Uh, so for those other you know seventeen and a half hours a day, is that math right? I hope that's right. Uh, <laughs> whatever the whatever that amount of time whatever is. Whatever the math. Yes, is. yes. Uh, they're interacting with um, and they're receiving uh, push alerts from our app. Uh, they're reading stories on our social media sites. They're looking at our videos on YouTube. Uh, they're coming directly to our website and to to get the news. Uh, and you know our our job um, in the in the digital team is often in the realm of breaking news, but um, with a with a with a station like News Five, we also do a lot of original storytelling and we do a lot of uh, investigative reports too. So it's not just you're getting a, a breaking news alert about um, the big storm that's coming. It's also about the the major investigation that we launched. Uh, and we're what we're doing essentially is getting the journalism that our station produces in front of as many eyeballs as possible. 
possible every single day. And I'm sure you've got the demographics sliced and diced as to what medium you use for what. Yeah, you know what we say at News Five is it's the right news for the right platform. So we have stories that uh, we will we will put on the website because uh, we need to get uh, a story up and started. Um, but it doesn't mean we'll put it on social media yet because um, you know we we might want to um, you know advance that story with some photos or some uh, some video before we put it on social media, um, or we might have a story that um, you know is a is a is a big investigation and we want to get it on uh, YouTube you know as quickly as possible and it'll go on Facebook later. So there's a lot of strategic decision making with um, it depends on what the story is. It really, it doesn't. De- it's not so much about the demographics as it's about about the platform and uh, what platform that story um, will gives it a chance to resonate with an audience. How, how much do you stream live and is that a huge aspect of what you do? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Um, we you can watch our um, all of our news programs and a replay of them on our app. Um, so that's live streaming. But in addition to that, um, we do a live st- a lot of live streaming around major weather events, and we've got some pretty terrific uh, meteorologists. And those we get big we get big audiences for those. Um, you know, we have a, a chief meteorologist, Mark Johnson, who has an audience of his own. Like you said, you know, people feel a connection with local TV personalities. Mark has a deep connection with the Cleveland um, area. And so when he goes on his Facebook page, uh, we see astronomical numbers from people from all over uh, Ohio, but even all over the country who follow him uh, just because he can clearly distill what weather is coming. Uh, those those live streaming events um, have always a potentially large audience. Um, it's not just weather. You know, when we had uh, we had a, a riot on May 30th, uh, 2020 in Cleveland uh, around the time of d- the George Floyd po- protests. Right. And, uh, you know, we live streamed that entire event. Mark was a part of that coverage. We had cameras on the ground. We had a helicopter above. Um, we were switching back and forth between, you know, on the ground and the, the kind of wide shot. And we, for several hours, gave the people of Cleveland a comprehensive view of what was happening downtown that day in something that started off, um, you know, as, as, a, as a peaceful march through the downtown streets of Cleveland. And our cameras were there when they captured, you know, kind of a group of agitators confronting police, turning it up a notch and leading to, to some violence that followed. How do you coordinate what you do with your on-air uh, reports, your online reports? Uh, you know, sort of bring people into the inside. Do you have daily meetings? Is it ongoing meetings multiple times a day? Is it just fluid? How does it work inside? Oh, as a shop, we do a lot of planning. I'm, I'm looking at Mark. Um, something we just actually had a meeting about yesterday. We had a meeting yesterday about all the meetings we have because <laughs> we do so much planning. Uh, so we're trying to we're trying to streamline that. But if you wanna if you do wanna operate at a high level, there has to be a lot of uh, communication. And uh, and so like with the digital team, we intersect with every single department, you know, um, in the news operation. And so um, we need to know where we're going to be, when we're going to be there, why we're there, and what and what we're doing. Uh, and that all necessitates a lot of a lot of talking uh, and and you know, but the payoff is that you have the right people at the right place at the right time. Joe and I will coordinate on. We've got a big investigation that's going to launch, so um, you know we'll we'll have a, a weekly meeting where we talk about here are all the things that might come this week. But then as we're getting closer to the launch of that investigation, you know, we'll be working with Joe and people on his team to create data visualizations to, you know, to really help. Um, people understand and, and add like robust content to the web story 
the investigative team working with the web producers to really have a you know a comprehensive user experience on on the digital platform because you know you you might tune into the six o'clock news to watch our investigation you might not but it's going to live it's it becomes the the you know what the newspaper used to be the the record um, and it's on the record on on Joe's you know digital platform. So I don't know how many times I search and go to a broadcast outlet's website, you know, for for stories and the it's the archive. You yeah. know it, what I can't see immediately, I can still experience. Yeah, for sure. And and I think it's unrealistic for us to think that it's you know everybody will watch it on television. It it lives and, and we can do so much more. You know, we can we can have interactive maps. We can do all these other other things in, in digital mm-hmm. that really bring the story to life. And and, and it, there's a transparency play. Like if we put all our data, like this is how we did the investigation right there on the website. It's not. You know, I think that that helps. Um, either you know, people can can use that information to say, well, in my neighborhood, this is what's happening. Or it can just say, like, wow, they really did their work and they know what they're talking about. And I think that goes to the credibility of it. A lot of investigative work uh, for people out there who don't understand is data-driven. It's not all personality-driven. And you, I'm sure, and your team have to go through tons of data uh, to sift out what's germane to the issue that you're looking at. But that data is hard to visualize. Talk about how you and Joe work to make that come to life and and make that meaningful to a a person uh, who is not into data. Sure. Well, I mean, I think the example of, you know, for example, a data story. Um, You know, everybody knows that that there's been a a situation with, with car theft. Um, not just in, in the greater Cleveland area, but, you know, across the country. Kias and Hyundai cars are getting stolen at a rate that's, that, you know, um, that's incredible. And you get, you get a database that shows, you know, when these cars were stolen, where they were stolen from. And so then um, you can then work with, you know, the digital team to create this interactive map of, you know, well, are there pockets of places where, where Kias are getting stolen more frequently? Um, is it, you know, this one parking lot in this one, you know, uh, sh- you know area? Um, and so then, then that just creates a, a greater user experience uh, for that person. And, people- and it's an ongoing experience, too. They can, they can look at it and, and sort of chart their own life. Yeah. Sure. It becomes personal. Take, take warning. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It people, personal. well, I mean, one thing I've, I know is that people often look at a story and they want to know how it affects them. So they may not own a Always. Kia, <laughs> but they will see, oh my goodness, that's less than half a mile from my house. That's where all those things are happening. And, you know, it, it's it's information they didn't have uh, before. So that that's the way is it, it, it has, it, it's a way to simplify, you know, very complex matters, but it's also a way to make it relatable but, to a person. But how do you and your team do that? Do you have special specialists in data visualization uh, or, or any interactive content? 
Talk yeah. about that. It's a good question. So uh, we're fortunate. We have a digital executive producer named Ian Cross who does really good data visualizations. Mark creates great digi- data visualizations. And, w- and what these guys do is, you know, we look at the, the, the thesis or the, what's the idea of the story? What are we saying about what's happening here? And then we ch- how do we support it visually in a way that, you know, you can grasp easily? And those types of stories, when we succeed on that front, they, um, they tend to be more shareable, you know, because be- they tend to have more uh, a longer shelf life in terms of uh, search. They, they're just um, a lot more valuable because people find them valuable. They spend more time on them and they share them uh, socially because they see the story that maybe would have just been a data set in an Excel spreadsheet visualized before them and, they, and, and then it matters to them. And that so much of this is, and this is TV and digital, and this is why TV and digital are actually a pretty good marriage. Um, the internet is visual. And TV is really good at visualizing important stories. So when we're all doing our, um, our jobs correctly, we are um, giving a visual representation of an important story in the most interesting way possible. And it's not all video. It's not all moving pictures. As we used to think TV was solely the, the shot at the scene or whatever. Yeah, there, there, are, there are really great, um, you know, like there, there are great um, use, there are great uh, platforms. Flourish is one, Night Labs has another that are just, uh, you know, Google has a suite of things that you can do to create these visualizations that are just, they just really help drive home the point that you're trying to make. Mark, uh, your career's been interesting. You've been different places, different parts of the country. You've been out west, you've been down south, you've been up up north in Michigan. Has it always been on a continual line of investigative work? So I started as an intern um, after college at WWS. That's my hometown in Cleveland. Um, and then I went to become a line producer, producing, you know, the six o'clock newscast in a smaller, smaller town. You know, I, I kind of like, uh, equated to the farm system with with baseball you got to go to minor single <laughs> so i went to kalamazoo michigan and i met a gal in kalamazoo and stayed there for a bit longer than i um you know perhaps would have but i stayed there for six years and i became a really seasoned uh line producer you know doing newscasts um and then uh, i followed an anchor down down south to charlotte north carolina um so went from you know single a to you know maybe triple a at that point um, and then um, made a switch to the investigative world when I moved to Denver, um, you know, in the big leagues. Yeah. Um, and then the opportunity came home uh, to work and lead a group of investigators. Um, we are very f- fortunate at WEWS to have one of the largest investigative teams in the country. And so the idea. How many people do you have? So we have five investigative reporters, wow. um, we have three investigative photographers. And, and then myself. Um, and so that's the investigative team. I also lead a special projects unit, which has um, a reporter at the Capitol, and then a, a couple of anchors, three other, three other reporters who are doing uh, more enterprise journalism. So um, the ability to lead a team that isn't doing the news of the day, but is trying to do the stories that differentiate, the stories that have larger you know, more impactful stories uh, in, in my hometown. That's pretty cool. So I jumped at the chance. Help help our listeners differentiate between enterprise journalism and investigative journalism. So enterprise stories are stories that, 
You know, it doesn't come from a press release. It's something that you dreamed up or you saw that you got from a tip. You saw something that was happening. And so um, it's something that likely won't be on any other TV station. It's a creative story idea that you got from some source. We really value enterprise journalism because everybody's going to cover that thing that happened that day. This is what sets us apart. And it could be human interest. It could be any number of things, the wide range of enterprise efforts. Sure, sure. Um, And then the investigative stories, you know, generally have some sort of uncovering of something that was hidden. Um, You know, whether it's going into data to find, yeah, the actual day that the spike of Kias happened was October 1st. You know, after, you know, we had a years-long you know, it, looking back at the 22, 22 data, you know, there wasn't a real surge until all of a sudden October 1. What happened to say that, like, then there was a 300% increase in Kias being stolen? Um, that's the investigation to find out, like, well, what happened? Did a viral video sent, you know, go off around town saying this is how to steal a Kia? Um, you know, that's the investigation part of it that makes it different than... Let me ask, uh, this may be a difficult question for me to frame, so bear with me. Uh, Major cities now who are losing daily newspapers as we knew them historically are now going to a couple of different formats. There's Cleveland.com that's out there that's a digital product. Uh, There are new nonprofits that are coming, that are being hyper-local in in their coverage. Do you all see those as competitors, or are there opportunities to partner with those people to make even a better news product? So this is, that's that's an issue that we identified years ago, and we've been very, um, it's very important to us to have partnerships. So we have a partnership with the Akron Beacon Journal and all of its the uh, the, the, the newspapers that are affiliated in New, in Northeast Ohio with that group. So we um, are, we have a reporter and a photographer who share uh, space in the Akron Beacon Journal newsroom. They share news tips all day. We know everything that's going on in Akron and Canton every day because we're in that newsroom and vice versa. Our reporter gives them information they don't have, helps them uh, you know find sources that they don't have. Uh, we also have a we have a reporter in the state house. Uh, our reporter down there is based in the Ohio Capital Journal, uh, and so we have a partnership with them where they're in each other's meetings, they're talking about coverage, and it extends our reach into the Capitol so that we uh, know everything that's happening uh, in the State House. We, uh, we've recently par- uh, partnered with the Marshall Project. Uh, that is a, a digital um, uh, outfit that does criminal justice coverage. Right. And we, you know, we did our first story with them uh, just before the holiday. It was one of our biggest stories of our, on our site for the year. And that was a story where um, they had, in this particular case, they had data that showed that one of the suburbs in Cleveland, a very rich suburb, was um, getting a lot of um, revenue for its city by um, ticketing uh, poor uh, drivers uh, from, you know, from the city of Cleveland. And the that story uh, found a really big audience uh, because we accompanied it with our own reporting. So Mark's team, Mark and uh, and one of our reporters and photographers, you know, went to traffic court, talked to these folks, found out their stories, found out you know, frankly, how ticky tacky some of these, um, some of the reasons they were pulling people over for were, and how it was impacting their lives. 
and uh, and told a story that people had been talking about in Cleveland in years, like this one suburb, don't want to speed through there, they'll get you, um, showed the impact of that. You know, it's not just something we say to each other. It, it based it, it on facts. It based it on facts. And it, so that was a collaboration we do with the Marshall Project. So we are we are always looking for different partnership opportunities because we realize you can't, you know, you can't just do it alone. You know, you've got to look for these other groups to, to, to help move your um, move your project forward with. I talked to, to Mark a little bit about his career. Uh, Joe, uh, we could do a whole show <laughs> on, on your career. Uh, eight years in L.A. with L.A. Magazine, eight years doing improv mm-hmm. in, in, in L.A., uh, then uh, Scripps Howard News and, and Playboy, where you took a uh, – somewhat dubious sex and culture uh, area <laughs> and digitized it and made it uh, legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that seems a strange background to lead you <laughs> to now being the digital director of local news. The the theme of my career has been survival <laughs> more than anything else. Uh, no, I, you know, I graduated from OU in 1998 and I thought I was going to work for newspapers for the next 50 years. Uh, you know, newspapers hadn't yet gotten killed by the digital advertising at that point. I grew up reading newspapers. I started reading newspapers when I was five or six years old. The Cleveland Press came to our house. We were sad in our house when they stopped publishing it. We took the Plain Dealer reluctantly. Uh, and then I became a voracious reader of the Plain Dealer and fell in love with writers like Mike Royko and right. Dick Fagler and, 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 and like Dave Barry and all the sports columnists the Plain Dealer had, all terrific writers. Uh, and so I thought, I'm going to be a print guy for the rest of my career. And after I graduated, like, I don't know, a month later, they started cutting newspaper jobs. And <laughs> they stopped hiring. Good timing. Right. The timing was was awful. Um, so, you know, I, I spent years, um, you know, trying to find that staff position at a newspaper. So I worked for Scripps Howard News Service. I wanted to leave Washington, D.C. I love D.C., but there was a girl. I wanted to move. So uh, That seems to be a common theme. It's a theme. common theme. Yes, it's a common theme. <laughs> Uh, but couldn't get a newspaper job. So, um, you know, I, I wound up in digital media uh, in Los Angeles working for some startups that you don't have on your on your list there, uh, but just trying to stay in the game for as long as possible. And, you know, those efforts of just going from startup to startup, uh, working as an editor in places that needed, you know, lifestyle content for men or what have you, you know, those took those opportunities took me to uh, you know, Playboy's digital team and Los Angeles Magazine's uh, digital team. But, you know, th- it was it, there was no straight path forward. There was just how do I stay in this because I enjoy it so much. So when we moved, uh, we our, our family, kind of like Mark, we have, there are a lot of similarities. Uh, you know, we wanted to move back to Cleveland to raise our kids there. My wife's from Cleveland, too. And uh, and News 5 had had th- my job open at that time. And, uh, and I said, well, I, you know, I, I faked it before for magazines <laughs> and these other, so let's try a TV. Uh, but I, I, was, I was what they needed. They were what I needed. They needed somebody with digital acumen. Um, you know, I, I needed a place that did real, real work, real journalism, because um, I, I don't think in news, if you're not doing, the, you know, real journalism, stories nobody else has, it's really hard to be a digital director and sell people content they can see anywhere else. But when you have original stuff, you know, it makes your job just really exciting. And so Channel 5 ended up being a, a good fit for me. Doing magazine and doing other kinds of, of digital work and now doing television digital work, is there a difference, you know, in in what you – how you present 
television digitally as opposed to how you present a magazine digitally? Yeah. So, I mean, I think with any media, you're always thinking visually, but television leads visually. So you're you're compelled to just think about what does this look like? What do we have that somebody will, will see and that will tell the story? I think I, it, it's forced me to think that way uh, in, a, in a way where um, when I'm working for magazines, it's like, oh, well, they will see what's happening through the 1,800 words I'm writing. And now with a story, it, you know, it's the conversation is, um, do we have video that helps tell this story? Did our photographer or reporter or, or a viewer or capture a compelling, a compelling photo that helps us tell the story. So you're just you're just forced to shift your mindset. The, it, all the basic tenets of ethics, you know, remain the same. Storytelling remain the same. But you're just thinking visually, which again, nice crossover with the internet, where it's it's largely a, a visual medium. It, it's it's interesting being associated with the school of journalism that that. You know, as much as technology gets out there and is new and innovative, it comes back to a core of what's a story, uh, what's a good story, uh, what's the best way to tell that story, and how do you do it ethically and legally? You know, those are, those are like the foundations of regardless of the, the technology. Well, and, and – and in the investigative world, you know, legally is super important. Um, and uh, then trying to find out how to get that story. You know, we will use hidden cameras. We will use um, lots of means to get, you know, what we need to get that story to tell what's what's right for this story. You know, how do we how do we prove what we're saying is happening? Um, and, and sometimes, you know, you go to alternative means. Sometimes it's really creative means. Uh, to try to determine, you know, how best to demonstrate the situation. Do you have somebody, though, on your team, Mark, that is, and maybe it rotates, the person who goes, uh, I, I don't know about that. That, that, that's, that seems sort of shady uh, to me. Can we do that another way? Is there somebody that puts the brakes on, I guess, sometimes? Because these things can be locomotives. I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, so we've got a lot of checks and balance. Um, before we do anything, um, you know, with, with a hidden camera, we go through you know, our, 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 not only my boss, you know, our news director, but also our corporate lawyer yeah. to make sure that we're not going to get in hot water. Other, other places where I've, I've worked, we've been a little more fast and loose, you know, and, and haven't necessarily had those structures in place to make sure that we're, you know, not going to make a big mistake. And, um, you know, as now the person who's leading that team, you know, I think I, I have a pretty good idea of what, you know, what that line is and, and when we should not cross it. One last area that I wanted to talk to you guys about, and, and that's the future of media. Uh, and it seems to be not five years from now, 10 years from now, it seems to be tomorrow <laughs> or yesterday. How will the use of artificial intelligence and AI impact what you do, Mark, as a reporting aspect, and what you do, Joe, as a, as a digital aspect. I mean, I think the days of us saying that's way down the road is those days are long gone. Uh, how's something like that or any future development going to either help you or hinder you? Right now, it's scary. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have any... Um, 
I don't see how this w- would help us right off the top of my head. Um, you know, there have been reportings about, you know, you there are AI is so good. You can say, you know, I want to have a news story about this subject in the voice of this, you know, prominent CBS reporter. And the AI can spit you out something that's pretty close. And it's like, whoa, that's uh, that's really concerning because, like, from an ethics standpoint, you know, who's where's the checks and balance? Um, if you Google certain celebrities, you'll see something, right? And, you, you know, you'll see, you know, stories that are obviously written by bots. And it's like it's 72% correct. But I don't want to live in a world where we're dealing with 72% correct. And then when you get into the whole video aspect and, um, you know, I think there was a, a story that I saw recently on digital art and how AI art can create and steal from artists all the ideas that have ever been created in the world. And, you know, you can just say, create this. I don't know. I, I think it's really problematic. I am uh, going to disagree with Mark for the first time in this uh, in this podcast. I I think it's exciting. I think it can be another tool for a journalist. Um, I think you know we actually did some tests uh, quietly, uh, our digital executive producer and I, about um, could you use this to help you write a story? Um, you could. You could use it to help you write a story. Um, I don't know how yet. I don't know what the ethics of that look like yet. Uh, there's a whole bunch to be fleshed out, but I think there's a potential for this to be a tool, not a replacement, but a tool that a journalist can put in their toolbox and use in certain situations to um, to help them. Um, and I've also, you know, I've heard from some researchers who've said they've used it to help them organize data sets accurately. So I, I wonder if there's if there's um, possibilities there for um, that, you know, to have that Iron Man voice next to you, you know, you know, hey, can you do this for me? Boom, I can do it for you. Um, I think that's where it's going. Um, but I think there's a lot of work to be done, done between, you know, now and then. Uh, because you, you need to vet all the processes and make sure they're trustworthy. Because at the end of the day, like you said, it all comes back to those core things of storytelling and then also that people can trust you. And, you know, we have to be able to do everything accurately no matter what tool we're using. It, it, to use this as a tool, I, I think, is probably the way it's it's going to go. But we live in a, a world where people doubt everything. Uh, and... You know, we hear fake news, but you know it's beyond that now. Is yeah. that a real video? You know, is mm-hmm. is that truly somebody's voice? That's going to present some challenges for for you yep. in in having that trust factor, is it not? Yeah, it it will. Um, it, it you know. There, there. No matter what, there's always people who can publish fake news with or without an AI. You know, so I think that that capability um, will exist no matter what technological uh, advances happen. Um, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen more deep fakes of you know political candidates saying things. Um, I wonder if they're simply stopped by the, the legal process at this point. I don't know. Well, the law's always 20 years behind Correct. technology. That's fair. At least. That's fair. <laughs> so, no, that, 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 that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. Um, I think those trust issues will, will always exist. I think that, you know, there's people who can always uh, take advantage of challenging, um, you know, saying that the media is wrong and making political hay out of it in some way, uh, no matter what tools we're using. I think that Trust is something that we're, we're dealing with right now, and, and whether it's in the future, it's today. Um, so I think that we're combating that with, 
you know, really trying to be transparent. And I think that goes back to like showing your work. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when we're writing a television script, we started looking at this story because of, you know, we got a tip where somebody said this. You know, I mean, I think those, it's going back back to the future a little bit with the process. Here right. are the things that we did to do that. You know, showing our people actually out in the field, interacting with, you know, the person that they're interviewing. Like, you, it's hard to refute that, that, that when we're in the community and they see us, um, that, that we're faking it. Um, or if we're showing our work, then it's really, it's a lot harder to attack. And I think that, you know, that's a newer thing that we're, we're realizing that we have to do. Um, so I think that's really important. Well, it goes back to an old adage that people don't trust what they don't understand. And journalists have been mysteriously mysterious over the years <laughs> of how they went about producing their product. And I believe what you're saying, uh, it may be a cure for that. The more transparent, this is how we went about doing this story. Mm -hmm. This is what we checked. This is who we talked with. Well, and, and that's what separates professional journalists from everybody else who's doing the same thing. Um, it's because, you know, we should have credibility. You know, we, we have earned that credibility over years. You know, our, our television station's been around for 75 years, you know, in the same place in Cleveland. You know, it's an institution. Um, and I think that's why there's a lot more trust in local news than there is in cable news or national news. Um, and so I think that being a pillar of that community is, is you know, still valued. Guys, thank you very much. I enjoyed the conversation. I did too. Thank you. Thank you. Today, we started a series on the importance of local TV news to our lives. Our guests have been Joe Donatelli and Mark Ackerman of WEWS-TV in Cleveland. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available through the NPR podcast directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your favorite podcast outlets. If you have questions or comments about our podcast or suggested topics for us to cover, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hodson at ohio.edu. That's Hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. Have a good day, everyone. <laughs>